Hello and welcome to Women in Confidence with me, Vanessa Murphy, HR expert, confidence coach, and now podcaster. This podcast discusses all things to do with confidence in life and in work. And this is a podcast for women who want to learn what confidence is, how to obtain it, and how to maintain it, and learn how confidence can help you grow and flourish. Every week, I introduce you to amazing women who have interesting stories to tell about confidence. Through their stories, insights, hints and tips, you realise that a lack of self-belief or low self-esteem is common and also very human. But by listening to them, you'll take away what they have done to show up confidently on the inside as well as on the outside. So I'm joined today on Women in Confidence by Emily Riddell. Emily is an astrologer, a yoga teacher, an expert in astro yoga, a folklorist and just an all round really, really nice person. So I know nothing about astrology other than probably reading an article in Cosmopolitan when I was a teenager or reading my stars from a trashy newspaper or a tabloid newspaper when I was on my commute up and down the train line to London. But I'm sure Emily is going to put me straight on quite a few things and certainly she's going to make that connection between astro yoga and confidence. Emily, hello and welcome to Women in Confidence. How are you doing? I'm doing so well. Thanks for having me on. No problem at all. It's lovely to have you on, actually. And we've got a lot to talk about because I know you're an expert in many things. And I was saying to you earlier that I was just checking out your website and um, you've got lots of services. So we'll get into some of those shortly. Could you just tell everybody, because I love this bit, um, tell everybody where where you currently are at the moment in the world. So I'm in Oregon in the U.S., in the city of Eugene. Eugene. Yeah, I, don't, I actually don't I don't know Oregon at all. Um, so I'm going to look that up later. But the reason why I ask my guests to say that is because I just I just want to express the global nature of this podcast. And actually, whilst I might be in Australia, which is probably on the other side of the world to you, I think it's really important that we're sort of united in this topic around confidence. And it's not unique to a particular hemisphere or a particular part of the world. It's a universal um, conversation about women in confidence. So thank you. The also what I like to ask my guests to get things going and to warm up the conversation is, what does confidence mean to you? Mm, confidence to me means being able to be and abide in yourself as yourself regardless of changing external states around you. So the people who show up around you, the places you find yourself in, being able to find a way of being authentic from your inner self and to to be able to express it in a way that isn't fear-based or too concerned with external circumstances. I know we're all different, like at home on our couch than we are at a perhaps marketing event or a meeting or whatever we're doing. Um, but to actually show up as yourself in life, that's mm. confidence to me. And do you think then that you show up as your true self and your authentic self? Is that something that you do so practice now that that just comes naturally to you? That's a great question. Um, I do feel like I show up as myself and I do feel like that's a skill that I started honing at a young age. I do think it isn't always easy, right? Sometimes you have to face a situation where you are intimidated. Maybe it's new to you. Maybe it's just like a totally different environment or a totally different style of 
activity. And then you just have to show up authentically in those spaces too. So I, I think, you know, I do yoga and we have this concept of the beginner mind. So when you are in a new situation, sometimes the most confident you, thing you can do is say, well, this is new to me. So I am going to give this a try and I'm willing to learn. Yeah. And we're going to talk about your yoga because one of the reasons why I wanted you on is because you offer a slightly unique style, I'd say, of yoga, or certainly not a style that I would say is the mainstream, go to your local studio uh, yoga. And so could you tell everybody what sort of yoga that you practice, please? Sure. So my primary practice and teaching style is something called astro yoga, which is the combination of yoga and astrology. And I am a professional astrologer. I am a professional yoga teacher with over a decade well over a decade of experience at this point teaching, but it does come from ancient techniques. So I've spent the last 13 years of my professional life trying to deliver this to the public in a way that is accessible. Whereas when I first started studying it, it was, it was a lot of diving into to sort of the esoteric ancient traditions, some ancient texts, some modern texts, and you know, so on and so forth. But that is that is what I offer is that connection between astrology and your yoga practice. So many people will be very familiar with yoga, and I talk about yoga a lot because I found it has helped me both physically to become stronger, but also mentally stronger. So I bang on a lot about yoga on this podcast, but many people won't be will have a skewed view of what astrology is or a slightly media hyped view because they'll have read the newspapers and seen the you know daily stars which is how it's um, pronounced but when we spoke you gave me a really good understanding of what astrology actually is so can you talk about that now to, to put a sort of dispel some of those myths and some of that just bs really about what astrology actually is i'd love to so astrology is any cultural association that we have with the planets and stars and cosmos. So, you know, at a very rudimentary level, this includes things like our concept of time, right? What is a year? Well, that's based on a solar cycle, right? What is a minute? What is a day? All of these things, those are technically astrology, um, but also how these things affect and align with life on earth. So I always tell my astro yoga teacher training students that astrology in life is the using of time in a way that's intelligent, the using of the energies associated with particular times, which would be like the more complicated things dealing with planets and the moon and the sun, um, to use those in your favor, right? To know when to rest, to know when to take up a new skill, to know when to intelligently take action or nurture yourself. And so that's really what astrology is and how to use it. And it's so much more than just your horoscope because the horoscope will be based pretty generally, right? Just on your sun sign, um, which really they're usually based on the ascendant um, because it's much easier for astrologers to write horoscopes based on the ascendant. It will match more people. And those, those sorts of columns actually just came into play since the 1930s. I don't know if you know this history, but so all astrology texts, not all of them, because there were ones 
in the ancient world. And there are certainly many astrology texts from China, many astrology texts from India that were perhaps written in Sanskrit or Chinese and other areas in the world. But in Europe, at least, the astrology texts used to all be written in Latin, right? They would communicate in these classic languages. And it was considered an essential discipline. It was one of the seven original liberal arts. And to get a medical degree, actually, until the 17th, no, yeah, the 17th century, you had to have a certificate in astrology. Wow. So that's a fun fact. But um, so they they started doing horoscopes in the 1930s from these sort of classical, antiquated sort of astrology approaches. Um, somebody decided to write a birth announcement about Princess Margaret, who I believe is Queen Elizabeth's sister. Yep, correct. <laughs> it was so accurate that people really wanted more of it. So they started publishing weekly or monthly columns and then the horoscope came to popularity. So really it was like a, it's like a party trick that you would do. You could compare it to yoga people being like, oh, well, you know, I do yoga and someone says, show me some yoga. So you show them, I don't know, a headstand or something that looks kind of like, look, I'm doing something fancy, right? As opposed to what yoga really is most of the time is you're sitting on your mat, you're breathing, you're doing subtle actions. It might not always look like a headstand. So there's loads of stuff I want to pull out of what you've just said. So first of all, what I'm saying, what I'm sort of guessing is or getting out from you is perhaps those columns in the newspaper are probably a load of trash, but and probably to disregard those and actually focus on real astrology. The other thing I want to talk about is you raised two things, sun sign and ascendancy. What do you mean by those? That's a great question because if anyone does read their horoscope, a great idea is to read for their ascendant sign. So in the West right now, if you ask someone what's their sign, you know, it's a cheeky way to get to know someone like, hey, what's your <laughs> sign? Um, they'll tell you their zodiac sign. And the reason we know that is because it's based on the birth date, right? So most people just look up their birth date, oh, you're a you know, Aries, Capricorn, whatever. Um, and so that's because that's where the sun was at the moment of your birth. Now the ascendant is actually a more intimate way of knowing your sign. And this is, it could be the same sign if you were born around sunrise or just before, but it's usually a, a different sign just statistically. And so this is what Zodiac sign was ascending on the horizon or rising, right? Also called your rising sign at the time and place of your birth. This is a super important thing in the chart. And if people are listening to this and they don't know anything about astrology, the one thing I would suggest to them is figure out your sun sign, your moon sign, and your rising sign. It's a great entryway into having a more interesting internal knowledge about astrology. But the ascendant is important because it's how you know and experience yourself. How you know and experience yourself is of the utmost importance because how you are is how you experience everything else in life. So whether you are an imaginative, emotional processor, you take things in through the mind, you're very practical, or you just kind of do things and you know things through action all of these different ways can show up on the ascendant and you can know something about 
your approach to life and the skillful way that you can inquire into yourself to have a more profound understanding, not just of yourself and how you operate, but of everything else around you. And I love the ascendant. And in fact, if you were born in ancient Greece, the likelihood is when you asked your primary sign, you would have given the ascendant because that would have been in many schools back then, the one that was quote unquote, your sign. And then you talked about moon as well and the moon rising. Um, So what's the relevance of the moon? So the moon is also in the chart. And if you think about it, these are important points because the sun, obviously like we humans put a lot of importance on the sun. It's what grows our food. It's what wakes us up in the morning. Usually it's if the sun disappeared, we'd be in big trouble, right? The moon likewise also is the the lesser of the two lights. And so these are considered to be points of brightness in your chart. And the moon, so this is maybe a little complicated, but the sun represents your super conscious self and your, your egoic construct and sense of self, right? Like kind of who you're aspiring to be, who you'd like to be, um, that sort of formation of personhood in your mind. The moon represents the intelligent subconscious principle, which is the thing that heals the body, right? This is, this is everything that your body does that your mind isn't consciously telling it to do, right? It's beating your heart. Um, if you're pregnant, it's forming a child. If you are, you know, if you have a cut, it's healing the cut. Um, and it's also helping you to care for yourself, right? And to figure out ways that you can nurture yourself. And I talk to clients about this a lot is recently, I think, especially for women, there's been this catchphrase that's like, well, go do your self-care, right? And I don't know about you, but sometimes I'm like, well, that seems a little condescending. I don't need <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> someone to always tell me to <laughs> go do my self-care. But what the moon can do is show you the things that you can do, which will actually feel like self-care and not just feel like someone's telling you to go take a bubble bath um, because you look stressed or whatever. So it could show up anywhere in your chart. And through that placement, you'll know, oh, maybe what I need to do for self-care is actually give some attention to my creative life. Maybe what I need to do is cut loose and have some fun or spend time in community or spend time working on my dreams or, you know, the myriad things we might do, but it's not a one size fits all approach. You know, it's a 12 times 12 approach. You've said a couple of things I want to pick out there. Um, I'm really tight back to confidence. And the two things I really loved, you said about the sun is about really knowing yourself either your current self or sort of the future self, the aspirational self. And then the moon is about nurturing yourself. And to me, there's a nice balance there, but to me, just knowing yourself and nurturing yourself are the foundations of what I think is confidence. The inner work, the really peace with yourself and knowing yourself before there's any um, external impression left about yourself. I think those two things are really important to me around confidence. Absolutely. You know, confidence, we won't be, we won't even be concerned with topics like confidence if we are starving, 
in danger, right? Like all of these things, there's that whole, I think it's Maslow's hierarchy of Mm -hmm. needs where first you have to have the basics met, right? You have to feel safe. You have to have your physical needs met. And, um, when you, when you do lunar work, like you do help yourself get all of your needs met, not just like you're literally not starving, but like you are feeling nurtured, you're feeling good. Um, you know, when you go home, you have a safe, lovely space to be in, you know, you are okay. And then, and then we get to start to look at, well, what, you know, what do I want to be? And that takes a lot of confidence to say. And I think the world has a really deep focus right now on, on simply getting the basics met, right? There's a lot of focus on, I think, especially toward women, talking to women about, well, you need to have your needs met. So you have to make sure you're safe. You have to make sure you have enough finances to keep yourself safe or to get yourself into a better situation. If you're not in a good one, you know, you need to have enough time, sleep, you know, we're hitting these basics. What if we got to a place in life where that was a given, where we were like, you know what, I'm so great at taking care of these things, you know, most of the time, generally that I have, I have a dream for something more. And I think it takes a lot of confidence to say, I'm not satisfied with the bare minimum. I want to be not just good. I want to be the best, you know, my best self. I want to show up in a, in a really big way. And that's what the sun can help you do. You're bang on that having that confidence to say, I want to play big now. I'm done with playing small. I'm done with, I don't know, fighting the the bullshit of working, uh, being in a man's world. That does absolutely take confidence. And I think there's so many women now that are stepping into that. And, and probably the reason why this podcast ended up sort of birthing itself was because actually I had a voice and I wanted to use it to say, there's lots of women out there who who have had their basic needs met and they want more out of life and they're not going to shut up now. <laughs> they're going to keep going and saying, I'm stepping into the space of confidence. And it could be um, related to their, their astrology. Absolutely. I want to bring it back to this because I suppose it could be, just the fact they were born at a particular time in a particular place in the world, or it could just be that society is allowing this to happen now and creating these spaces for women to say, I am no longer going to play small. I want to step into a place of greatness. I two things. I loved that you said that you birthed the podcast because it's such a, a feminine thing, right? And so powerful, right? Like the act of birthing is such a powerful thing and and unique, right, to women. And astrologically, we each have our individual astrology, right? But then there's also collective large-scale astrology. And we actually are at a moment when people are reawakening to the ancient truths that have been subverted for a long time. And one of those truths is that women aren't just people meant to meet the needs of others, right? And their roles relating to others. And that women have a very valuable perspective, not as 
forcing ourselves to fit like puzzle pieces into a space left by a man, but into co-creating a world which is friendly to people of all genders. And so there's there's a really big societal shift that will go on in this you know, couple hundred year time frame as we shift into these times and everybody on earth right now is a big piece of it. So it doesn't surprise me that simultaneously in all corners of the world, women are saying, Hey, what if life was just not just good, but great. Can we do something to make our own lives great, which is our own corner of the universe, and to to multiply that and give that to others? Because that's also what happens when you create goodness and greatness in yourself. And so, you know, from my perspective, of course, it deals with astrology. There's a there's a principle um, which gets a little esoteric, but the idea that as above, so below, as within, so without. And we hear this all the time in kind of pop psychology. I don't know if you follow holistic things on the internet, but a lot of people are walking around on the internet saying, oh yeah, you attract what you are or whatever's inside you, like what you're struggling with within, you'll see it reflected to you. So the person who makes you feel upset at the grocery store, it's because something in you is has something about that, that you need to maybe look at. And that's, I think that's a half understanding. It's like, okay, it's like, okay, I don't, I don't, I wouldn't necessarily say that same thing, but I do think that there is a correspondence on multiple planes of the universe because we live in this sort of quantum harmonics sphere, right? So if you play one note, well, in music, it reverberates in all of its overtones Mm -hmm. and the same thing's happening with astrology. So you can think about reading the stars as a way of reading the overtones of the music and therefore understanding what's going on, you know, down here with us. So I want to ask you a question about astrology before we get on to the astro yoga, because that's really important how you've brought them together, but astrology, how can it help women with their confidence. I mean, we talked a bit about knowing yourself, but in your view, how does the astrology really help women understand their confidence and then perhaps develop it further? Yes. So sometimes, and I know that there are people out there who are like, I don't need permission. I'm going to do me every step of the way. And that is amazing. And those people, I applaud you. Many of us look to examples for behavior before we behave in a particular way. It's rare to be a true revolutionary until you've seen something modeled, right? It's so much easier to be a free, confident person when you've had free, confident role models. And it can be hard if you haven't seen someone who's exactly like you to fully embody what is you. That's where the astrology comes into play because your astrology is totally distinct to you. There's no one like you somewhere else in the world. And it's just you, like your chart, I think could only repeat, I think it's every 126,000 years or something, which would be so far in the future (laughs) in the past that it's like those people wouldn't even, it might be weird. Like it might be really interesting, but they're not going to be like you totally either. So to sit with your astrology chart, to see what it actually means, like how 
are my communication styles? What is my love language? Oh, I always felt this way, but I never really understood how to express it at a high level. How can I be professional yet soft? How can I express this need and, you know, resolve the paradox of the the things I really want in life, which differ among people, right? But often we look at relationships, we look at the home life, we look at the family dynamic, we look at creativity, spiritual life, career, right? All of these things. How do I actually fully embody who I am? And according to this map, because the astrology chart is a map that can show you both the pitfalls, you know, we've all had a grumpy day or a bad day and we're like, that was awful. And we've all had times where life has been really amazing and fruitful. And so how can you navigate challenge in a way that always keeps getting you back to the place of feeling aligned, being fruitful? And sometimes I think when you just see that confirmation of who you are, for me at least, it did a lot to make me feel connected to the universe, right? Sometimes I think where confidence lacks is we look around us and we say, everybody else deserves to be here that tree, those clouds, those people, like even the ones who are maybe not even behaving as you'd like, you're like, they all deserve to be here, but I don't for some reason. That's the little lie inside people's heads. And so when you see your astrology chart, very often it shows you not just that you are not an accident, but that you are in some way totally connected and that you are actually the universe abiding in a concentrated form of consciousness for a particular purpose. And so for me, at least, um, a huge piece of having confidence is feeling like I do have purpose, feeling like I deserve to be here, feeling like it's natural, right, that I'm here and that it's natural the way that I am and that that's okay, right? And because usually people are very adept at being kind to others and sometimes not as consciously adept at being kind to themselves. And the kinder you are to you, the more confident you can be when you ask for not just what you want, but what you inherently already deserve. Lovely. Thank you very much for that. Um, I want to just bring it all together into the astro yoga because we've spent quite a lot of time talking about astrology, but I also want to talk about how do the two fuse together to become astro yoga and how does it work in practice? That's such a great question. So astrology has, so we said as within, so without, as above, so below, right? So astrology has associations with the different medical body parts, right? Your actual systems, which is why the doctors learned astrology way back when, Um, but also with your energy body. So we're talking the chakras, which a lot of people have heard of, um, and some other energetic models of the body, like the koshas, which is in yoga, and the nadis, so the energetic channels that, you know, are the basis for things like acupuncture, even though they call them something else in traditional Chinese medicine. So the associations come into play in the body and you can actually read someone's astrology chart in their form and you can help people overcome 
the sort of tricky places in their charts, the places that feel like, oh, this is a paradox in me and I'm, I've struggled with this sort of thing my whole life, or there's a tricky transit going through and I'm working to really be present with the current challenges in my life, the things that I'm trying to achieve, whatever it is, you can actually give people physical embodiment yoga practices, as well as breathwork practices, mudra. Some people do mantra, astro yoga, um, whatever, you know, whatever style of yoga you are practicing, there are astrologically associated practices for that. And you can actually time them in a way that brings you the energy that you want and need in that particular moment. So I'm going to unpick some of that because that's quite a lot to take in. You talked a lot about energy, right? You, when you started talking about, it, you talked about all the different, all the different languages and all the different belief systems, all sort of channel energy. Is that right? Because you talked about chakras and you talked a bit about acupuncture, which I've had. I'm not quite sure. Help me understand about energy. Sure. So from the viewpoint of yoga, you have a physical body and that's just like everything you can touch, right? Your hair and your cheeks and whatever. And then you have an energy body, which is not separate from the physical body. So the energy body can affect the physical body and vice versa, but that has a different model. So when we're looking at the energy body, this is actually where you would find something like confidence. You don't look at someone's arm and say, they have a really confident arm or their hair color is really confident, right? You're not like, you're not like, oh, the shape of their nose is quite like that would sound ridiculous and absurd, right? You're like, no, that's the physical body with the energy body though. You can look at a person and say, oh, they seem confident, right? Or they seem a little feeling they're feeling nervous, right? You can see that in a person. And of course there's the idea of fake it till you make it, but but um, perhaps a more wonderful approach would be to cultivate true confidence in the self. And, and of course, other things show up in the energy body too. We're talking about confidence in particular, but you could embody other types of energy, like the energy of love, of generosity, of kindness, right? Those aren't, again, physical manifestations of your hair or your face. <laughs> they are embodied energetically. And so there are systems that we use to look at this sort of like the anatomy. So the chakras are one form of anatomy. Those are energy centers and they do have physical associations too, but they are, they're energetic. Mm -hmm. And we see this all the time, like your energy body manifests in the physical. So if you get really stressed out, perhaps your shoulder is now tense, right? Or, or you get an eye twitch or whatever it is. Um, and so it's not that every physical manifestation is directly impacted by your energy body. Of course, like you could get, you could fall off your bike and scrape yourself and that's not you having weird energy, but <laughs> sometimes I have to clarify that. I'm like, well, also, and so that's, that's what we're talking about when we're talking about the energy body. And of course, if you study it deeply, you can get very specific, you know, and then you go become an acupuncturist or an energy healer or something. But um, when you are starting to use it or you're not sure exactly how to use it, just think to yourself, what is the energy that I would like to embody? Am I looking for the energy of confidence? Am I looking for the energy of 
someone who takes action? Am I looking for the energy of someone who feels safe and secure, right? Someone who feels like they're able to experience joy in their life. Someone who feels like, yes, I have a purpose and I know what that purpose is. Or someone who's even just able to sit in their throat chakra and say, yeah, I can listen to someone I don't agree with. And I can use my voice without trying to either overpower or shrink back, right? And that's, that's I think, a big one that can relate back to confidence too. I just want to go back to something you said very quickly. You said about fake it to make it. And there's a there's two schools of thought. One is absolutely fake it to make it. And then if you practice it enough, it becomes your true self. And then others who say, well, that just doesn't work because you're not in true alignment with yourself. And it's really obvious to many people that you're faking it. Where do you sit in that? I think both schools of thought have merit. And I think they're starting from two different presuppositions. One is that like the one that says, yeah, fake it till you make it. I think maybe a better way to frame that that would feel more in alignment is to say like, if you are afraid or nervous to try something new, um, it does not diminish your worth or your capacity to do something for that first time. And so for me, I don't necessarily want to yell fake it till you make it all the time. Although I love that it rhymes. Um, but I would encourage people who are more on the fake it till you make it school of thought to think about it as like, try something new and don't feel like you have to apologize or explain yourself for wanting to do that. Right. Versus the, the don't fake it till you make it school of thought. I would say the same thing. Like if you need to tell yourself, fake it till you make it, because you have kind of like a, I like catchphrases that rhyme and I just need some like power to get me over this hurdle, then fine, like fake it till you make it. But I think, I think something that we could practice instead is the practice of showing up authentically and in confidence. So this actually does go back to confidence because there's a moment of like, like, yeah, it's my first time. I don't know what doing something, whatever it is, um, skydiving, or I don't know what people do the first time, but you know, public speaking is one. I think people do a lot when they're like, okay, I have to step into a new professional role. It requires running a meeting, public speaking, um, setting up a new vendor business agreement, having a difficult conversation, whatever it is to go into it with the idea of like, you know what? I haven't done it before, but I don't have to walk in and apologize for having not done it before or shrink myself because I might not be doing it the way that's normative in this group of people or any of those things. You are so wise. I could listen to you um, for, for many, many, well, hours probably. Let's just go back to yoga then. So, and the astro yoga. So I just want to say, cause I do practice yoga. I mean, you know, not to the extent that, that you do, are there certain poses aligned to the different signs of the zodiac or, or are there sort of just general poses that help the, the energy? I don't know. Yes. And right. So yes, the, the zodiac actually lays perfectly on the physical body and then the energy body too. Um, so there are certain poses that you can practice. And I actually send out a pose every week to my email list that has the pose that I would suggest they do for the energy that week. Now, many poses are actually quite complex. 
because they're doing multiple things in the body at once. So there are some poses that would align a couple of different zodiac signs. Um, and so you, you do have to sort of intelligently choose them. And if people are interested in that, I do give out a freebie. When people sign up for my email list, I have a little ebook called Astro Yoga for Your Sun Sign. It'll explain just so easily your zodiac sign, the body part associated with it, the chakra associated with it, and then some postures that you could do with it. And so they are not exhaustive because there are many postures you could do, but you can definitely do one. Like, for example, what is your sign? I'm a Cancerian. Oh, you're a Cancer. Yeah. Lovely. So Cancer rules the the chest and the breasts and mm-hmm. the, the stomach. Okay. And so that's some real heart energy location there. And so what you might do as a Cancerian is things that open the heart in the front and then close the heart in the front and open the back to, to balance out that mm-hmm. area. So things like cat cow, if you're probably familiar mm-hmm. with, yeah. Um, doing that and really feeling the opening of the chest area, because that area can get tight on cancerians or they can get, you know, stomach aches a little easier when they're nervous kind of things, because that's the, the area most associated with that sign. It's, that's just so spooky. That's so accurate. Yeah, it is accurate. I get a lot of back pains in the upper body. And yeah, wow. Okay. And I will absolutely put all the contact details for Emily in the show notes anyway. So in terms of like your mailing list, email list and all that and your websites, they'll they'll go into, into the show notes so people can absolutely access you. How did you get into this line of work? Because I know... Well, you tell you tell me because I, I know a little bit, but I want everyone else to know this because I found it fascinating. Well, I actually got into this line of work because I had to learn about astrology and a yoga teacher training. And I was surprised because I was a lover of physics <laughs> and I was like, this is not, <laughs> this can't be real. So I you know, I have sort of a inquisitive mind. So my teachers were saying, this is real, this is important, but they sort of said it in passing. So then I went home and I started reading a lot of books on astrology. And I started calling my friends and saying, according to this book, you have these things going on. And it was incredibly accurate. So it was, it was things like, to a female friend, this says you started your first menstrual cycle in this month and this year of your life. And it was accurate. Or to my very fit friend, I remember saying, this says that you have weak ankles is this. And he was like, that is my breaking spot when I'm lifting. And there were, there were a lot of things that were, that caused my disbelieving mind to, to say, oh my gosh, I was wrong. There's so much more than I originally believed. And then I wound up going to graduate school and studying it. I wound up on this many, many, many year journey into gathering all of this information and sort of packaging it for a modern public audience. Eventually, I didn't realize that was where that was going. I was just, I was just following the thought, but you know, I think disbelief is almost the best way to enter it is you're like, let's, let's see what it's saying. And 
So it's kind of funny that now I'm, I'm not just uh, doing it. I'm like the person who does astro yoga. <laughs> you said physics. And I remember my physics teacher at school and I hated physics saying, oh, physics is all about energy and it's everywhere. There's nothing that isn't touched by physics. And I remember at the time thinking, I'm not interested at all because all you're making me do is equations. But now I say that to my kids and I think, you know, it's so right. And that's how you can make physics interesting and relevant is saying, well, it's just all energy and it's in everything that you do and, and every being is energy and that's physics. And I just thought, wow, that's so powerful. It's true. And it, it sparks a sort of curiosity in you. I still think about my physics teacher, although he used to tell us that astrology was a pseudoscience. <laughs> Puh, <to him. laughs> but um, yeah, I don't know what he would say. So you call yourself a folklorist as well. So mm-hmm. what, how did you, well, what, why that label? What's a folklorist? Well, I have two degrees in folklore. And so what folklore is, is the study of people's culture in a way that is respectful of the culture. So it's the study of creativity in everyday life and the study of belief. So you can study a lot of things in folklore. You can go different places. Some people do folk tales. Some people have like internet folklore, you know, it's everywhere. But for me, I studied a lot with belief, esoteric religion, the, the sort of uniting of the different religions through, you know, synastry and comparative religion and the ways that our ancient ancestors were in fact quite intelligent. I think sometimes we look to the past and we're like, well, they just had, I don't know what we think they were doing. They were like some, they were traveling around, they were nomads or agrarians, whatever. But really our ancient ancestors had a lot of deep wisdom. Um, We still marvel at how many cultures built pyramids, right? Not just Egypt, but different, different places in the world have these amazing structures that we marvel at today. And, and so folklore really is the study of creative culture that also has tradition in everyday life. So we're not just studying like one-off artists usually, but um, and so that's that's why I still use that label is I want to imply a respect toward these things. And I think it's fun that people sometimes say things like, oh, well, it's just folklore. Because to me, I'm like, I spent six years of <laughs> yeah. my life in folklore college. So, so that's funny because like to me, I have like all of these, I don't know, heavy books on the topic. It sounds like so folklore and, and yoga and um, astrology. Sounds like you are a very curious person. Anyway, have you have you always been aware of being curious? I think so. So I always loved to read and I loved nature. And I saw a lot of the esoteric concepts I learned about in, in various, you know, spiritual studies, yoga pathways, things like that. I saw them out in nature and reflected back to me in the very nature of humanity itself. And so I get really curious um, about myself and how I operate, not just within myself, but with others. And then I get really curious about um, how others are interacting with me and what that says about, you know, who they are in their own internal world. Mm -hmm. And there's this concept that humans are microcosms, right? We call 
we call us microcosms, but what the word microcosm actually means is a small universe, right? And so, which I love as an astrologer, right? I'm like the big universe, the small universe, here we are together. Um, but I really love this concept that every human is a world unto themselves. Like you create your own world. You're actually a powerful creator of your own life experience, whether it's a confident life experience or a, a you know, a really one where you have a big comeback or one where you, whatever story you're in, um, that we have the capacity to, in a certain way, create the universe. And one thing I did love for from physics is that my teacher taught us back then that if we were in the universe and if the big bang theory was in fact correct, right. Which for all intents and purposes, we think it is that if it all started from a single point that at this moment in time, every single other point in a constantly expanding cosmos is the center of the universe when I was a kid, they'd always say, you're not the center of the universe, you know, like don't get too big for your bridges. Um, but in fact, we all actually are the center of our own universe. I, I mean, love the, the fact that we can see ourselves as a universe. I love that. And we can create our own universe and our own world. And I think that's so powerful because many people, and maybe people listening will think I am powerless but actually you have the power to create your own universe. Yes. And that's something I think people get wrong about astrology sometimes is they're like, oh, well, if astrology is real, everything's faded. And it's like, no, you obviously don't have all the power in the world. Like you are not going to walk outside and say, I decided the sun won't rise today. And so it won't <laughs> like the sun will probably still rise. Even if you say that with all of your conviction, but within yourself, you can disallow the sun to enter or allow, right? You can um, create everything within the power of your domain. And if you think about it, so much is within your power, how you respond, how you think, how you act, um, the places you allow yourself to be, the company you allow yourself to be with. Even things like, like I have a dog. So I always think of him as like a creature within my domain. Like I tell him whether we can go on the walk now or later. Right. And you don't, you want to be careful with using other beings as within your domain, but to think, wow, I really do have a sphere of influence. And then to recognize that power as the greatness it is and use it wisely. Right. Like you want to be good to the dog. <laughs> And good to the other beings you may bump into who might not feel as empowered as you. And so who might be susceptible to your suggestion to allow yourself to, you know, have good boundaries, to feel your own power. Um, and power is, you know, in itself neutral. It's not good or bad, um, but you can use your power, the more power you have for good, if you so desire. Mm. I think there's some great things to finish on there. So one is you are the center of your universe, at least. You can create your own world. You can build your own power. But if you do so, use your power wisely for the good of others. I think that's such a powerful message. So just one question, more question, Emily, um, to, to round off the conversation. What's your one piece of advice to anybody who's listening and thinks, I just want some more confidence. How can I go about getting it? What's your one piece of advice? 
My piece of advice is to take your consciousness, which is likely if they're thinking that in their head. And if you possibly can sit back, lean back toward your spine a little bit, soften and see if you can become very aware of the feeling in the root of your body. So the core of your pelvis, and then take 10 slow breaths in and out into that area and see how you feel. And that will help build some confidence. Yes, because that is the area where we feel secure and able to be ourselves and worthy of being there. And the more you can be in touch with that space and let yourself drop into the root where you are connected already to everything you are, the more, you know, it's like, if you want to be confident in the storm, like the trees that are the most confident in the storm have the deepest roots, right? And so to cultivate your deep root and to really feel that, because for me, when I go there, I can feel who I am and I feel a sense of security so that if someone, you know, you give a presentation, somebody doesn't like it. Maybe someone writes a mean thing about you on the, I don't know what people are doing, but whatever you're afraid of, whatever's making you feel not confident, which is usually others, right? You're worried someone won't respond to you the way you would like. When you tap into your root, you can let go of that a little bit and realize that what you're actually desiring to do with your life is coming from a deeper place. If you have a desire in life, if you want to be confident, you probably want to be confident for something or for someone, maybe if you're a mother. And so you have nothing to fear because you are internally motivated at that point. Is that resonate? Yeah, that's great. And I think that's a great tip that people can try um, when they're listening and they can try it when they want to build confidence either in themselves for something or for someone so thank you for sharing that people want to reach out to you emily and find you um in the great world of the internet how can they do that yeah i would love to connect with anyone from your podcast um i am on the internet there's emilyridout.com that's my name Com. Um, and I have an email list, which sends out an email every single week that has the weekly astro yoga forecast and a suggested yoga pose. So they could get on that. And I'm also on Instagram pretty actively. So my username is at Emily Ridout Astro Yoga with underscores between the words astro yoga is one word. Okay, and I'll put all that in in the notes. So if anybody wants to go to that, just read the show notes and they can see and how to contact Emily. So Emily, thank you so much for all your wisdom and um, for sharing all about astrology and for yoga and your insights into confidence. It's been amazing. Um, really enjoyed. And I've, it has been genuinely an education. I feel a bit overwhelmed by what you've said because some of it is, is, um, is stuff that I just know nothing about. But thank you so much for sharing it. So simply and I don't mean to be rude about that but sometimes things like astrology can go over your head and can be quite tricky concepts to understand but you explain it so beautifully and so simply so thank you very much for that and thank you for being on Women in Confidence. Thank you so much for having me it was a pleasure. Thank you so much for listening to Women in Confidence and I hope you enjoyed it. If you did then please like it, share it, comment on it and if you want to sponsor it. 
If you'd like to take part in my podcast or know somebody who would make a perfect guest, then please email me on contact at vanessa-murphy.com. That's contact at vanessa-murphy.com. Until next time. Oh, my God.